just sort of share the sort of um uh, about yourself and the sort of like um how you got into the esports and gaming industry. Okay, my beginning was <clears throat> I actually didn't mean to get into esports. I just did it purely as a hobby back in the day. Um, very sorry about the songs in the background. That's going to be very common. <laughs> So my entry into esports, it started off through my hobby, which was casting. Um, so originally, I was just an esports fan like everybody else. Uh, I was an absolute nut while going through school and university. I would watch it all the time. My now husband, but then boyfriend, was the one that introduced me to Dota 2. Um, before Dota, I played StarCraft 2. Um, but then once I jumped onto the Dota 2 bandwagon, I was like, oh, this game's really cool, you know? It's very fun and whatnot. And then I discovered the esports scene. And this was an, a bit of an epiphany moment for me because I looked at it and I was like, isn't this something that I've been dreaming of my whole life? Like gaming turning into a career because back then gaming wasn't viable as a career option. It was just a hobby. It was just things you do for fun, for an escape. And I just thought like, oh, that'd be so cool if I ever did esports. Um, and then I just enjoyed it as a fan at first. And then I remember um, there was a girls tournament that actually popped up out of nowhere. And I thought it was cool because it was like girls were playing and just more of a supporting girls kind of thing. And I remember watching the games inside um, Dota 2, you know, and Dota 2, you can watch it in the client, right? So I was watching the game and there was a, a caster that was actually casting this game. And I don't know where the caster was from. I don't know if English was their, their first language or whatever it was. I, I I mean, I heard English words. They were speaking kind of English, but I was <laughs> starting to sound very bad. I'm very sorry for getting the wrong idea. But um, anyways, he was casting the game. I didn't really understand what was going on. And then when it came to the team fights, it's just something, like something struck a nerve in a bad way. Because um, when it came to the team fights, he, it sounded like he was mocking them. I don't know what it was, like if he said something or whatnot, because it was just so long ago. But it just, I was a little offended. I wasn't while I'm playing. I was just watching. But I was like, oh, how can you do that to girls that just want to play Dota for fun or, or for whatever they were playing back then? So I remember going onto Facebook and I messaged one of the admins. I was like, hey, uh, can I cast the games? Because <laughs> I, I actually had secondhand embarrassment for these girls because... I could understand the feeling of someone not taking your sport or your craft or whatever you do that you're having fun with in, in a mocking fashion. So I just thought like, you know, I might, I'm going to give them a little bit of justice and, you know, just cast a couple games. So they were like, totally fine with it. I thought they would shut me down to begin with because I was a nobody. I've never casted anything in my life. And they were just like, oh yeah, that's sure. We'll give you the, the lobby access and everything. And I was a little bit surprised. I was like, oh, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> I was nervous. So I get into this game and at first I'm thinking like, oh God, what do I do? And then I just thought, okay, I'm going to do what all the other casters do. Because back then I didn't study to cast. I didn't do any prep. I was just in there in the moment. And I just realized, oh God, it's happening. And so I just casted the game like how I thought everyone else did it. Uh, I don't think it was very good. I, I actually think I might have a lot of it from a long time ago. I don't know if I want to share it because I'm very embarrassed about it. But I had fun at the end of the day. Um, it was really exhilarating. I had a very big rush of serotonin in my brain. I was like, I could do this again. <laughs> so, uh, I, I managed to cast some more of the games for this uh, women's league. 
And then I actually got approached by a Indonesian studio back then. I don't remember what they were called. Was it? It wasn't Liga. Prime Life? It might have been Prime Life. I don't quite remember who they were, but they were just like, hey, we liked your casting. And at first I was like, oh my God, someone likes my rubbish. And they were just like, would you would you mind um, casting some games for us if we give you lobby access? And I was just like, yeah, let's do this. At the time, I didn't realize what was happening. I was just like, ah, in the moment, happy feelings. And I was just, I was just living it. Um, so through them, I was able to cast some more amateur Dota. Before anyone gets the wrong idea, I didn't suddenly get approached and was like, hey, let's do tier one Dota. Like that was a long way to go. But it was a very long journey of doing amateur Dota, which a lot of people don't cover or no one really watches, to be completely honest. But it's so good practice. Um, so I was getting into all these little games, um, casting them. And then eventually I also was getting noticed by other people. Um, and the first people that noticed me was Heffler TV. I don't know if you're going to remember who they were, Joseph. But back then it was like another casting studio, kind of like BTS. Um, and generally, Heffler TV was doing, um, like, Tier 3, Tier 4 Dota. So they weren't getting all the stuff like BTS or and all those other studios were getting. But it was still good games at the time because I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. And there were other casters within this group as well. And I just sat there and I was thinking, oh, I could learn from these casters because I've never casted with anyone else before up until that point. It was just me solo casting so now it was a new challenge oh gosh I have to try and cast with somebody else which is vastly different to casting solo um I know a lot of people say like oh Cyclops is a better solo caster um it's like why is he doing casting with other people and and I'm just sitting there thinking like well you kind of need to have the skills because some people want the 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 two casters like you can't just have a solo caster you're going to kill the poor guy um so I managed to get some games with them. I remember doing Join Dota, which was back then like one of the prime amateur leagues where people normally risen to eventually reach tier three and tier two Dota. Um, and then eventually it was through them that I, I think I did eventually start doing like some tier two stuff. It was, it was a long time ago. Um, but it was through Heffler TV that I got my first LAN. This was 2016. I think it was MESL. It was a long time ago. And and Cyclops was there as well, surprisingly enough. This was the first time I was going to cast with Cyclops. Um, so I, it was in Malaysia, by the way. And I was like, heck yes, when they asked me. It was not paid. It was nothing. I literally paid to cast this game. <laughs> so I flew to Malaysia. I flew to this land. Um, and I cast, I think it was a weekend of casting. Um so I casted with Mike, who was one of the other casters from Heffler TV. Uh, Mike Loris, I think that was his his IGN. I'm not sure if he's still casting now. And um, also Cyclops. Cyclops, casting with him was an experience, especially the first time. Not going to lie, I kind of didn't like him because <laughs> he couldn't understand me, funnily enough. And I remember during the cast, I asked him a question. And when I finished my question, he just very quickly... Yes. And I sat there stunned because I was thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen next? Do I need to say something else to follow this up? And then he sort of went on with his own his, his own train. And I just sat there thinking, oh, God, what, is this what casting is like? You're going to run into some of these people. Am I not going to enjoy myself? Because that was the first time I just thought, oh, I don't I don't like this. <laughs> um. So we did the event anyway. I think it was it was more or less a success. I enjoyed myself. Mike Loris enjoyed himself. Um, 
It was great. It was actually through this land I got another land. Man, what was this land called? This one was a really long time ago as well. This was where they were crowning the champions of this tournament, Team Tariq. Does anyone uh, remember this? I know, I know Team Tariq, but I can't, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think it's been too long. Yeah, it was too long ago, but it was another land. And this was the land where I got hired to cast, I know Flava was casting this event with me, I think. I think was God's there as well. Flava is uh, in my company, actually. We work really? Together. Nice. Yeah. Oh, please tell him I said hi. I haven't, I haven't talked to him in ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember casting this event with Flava, I think. It was very hot. I think there was no aircon because it was in a, stu- in a stadium. We had these little mini fans on the desk and we were both sweating it out, still casting these games, but it was great. Um, but this was the event that really sort of kick-started things for me. So it was like a massive dribble of amateur Dota until I eventually got picked up by EGG Network. So it was through that event that I did with Flava that EGG Network decided to approach me and be like, hey, did you want to be part of our talent for our upcoming gaming channel? <laughs> and I was surprised. I was thinking like, What's happening? Everything's moving so fast. I'm I'm a university student. I'm trying to I'm trying to study how to make games, and then I'm I'm getting approached by television companies that want me to do to be a television host, which is way outside my job scope. I've never done anything like that. That casting was the closest thing. Um, but at that point, I think I was just like a, a yes man kind of thing. That's like if someone gave me an opportunity, it's like you you gotta say yes. You gotta try it. You gotta give it a shot. If you say no, you'll never know what it was like. So I remember just thinking for a little bit. And at one point I was thinking, is this a scam? Like, is someone trying to, to kidnap me or something to sell me on the black market? Um, but I, I had to look everything up and it was legit. So I, I decided, yes, I had to talk my parents through it because I think at first they they were also a little bit concerned because this was completely out of the blue. I mean, for all I know, my parents thought I was just playing games in my bedroom all the time. They were always, t- like, always screaming at me, like, Danny, stop playing on the computer. And I'm sitting in the room, I'm casting! <laughs> So I did join EGG Network as talent. And this was the moment where I had a lot of personal growth, um, not just through casting, but I learned a lot of other things that really benefited casting. So working with the television company, I was expected to do um, television segments, uh, event hosting, um, and then just sort of learning how to make content in general. Because up until that point, I was just like a random Dota 2 caster. I wasn't famous or anything. Um, But I spent three was it three years two years two years with egg network sort of honing the craft and doing all these um hosting jobs with them and it was during this time that i did is it galaxy battles that was that was a big one for me um i think even up until now it's still probably one of my biggest events one of my most memorable as well um for context galaxy battles was actually supposed to be a major um but the major title title got revoked because of uh, the new filipino drug laws that they passed um and at that point like some of the players didn't feel comfortable for reasons uh and it got revoked but I, but the event still went on and some tier teams a tier one team still went to that event and i knew like it didn't matter. I, I sat there and I just thought, I'm going to try and crush this event, you know, um, just to sort of prove to myself, like, this wasn't a waste of time. I'm not <laughs> trash the whole time. So I went, I went to to Galaxy Battles and this was where I met some really big names. I think this was the first time I met Lacoste, 
um, first time I met Tsunami. I think this was also Tsunami's first event as well. For anyone that follows Dota, I think Tsunami's like, he's a very big name now. Love the guy. So, so sweet. Um, B-Cop as well. I think this was also his first LAN. Uh, since the first time I met OD Pixel, I don't remember if OD Pixel was there. There were some big names there. Um, and I was coming in as the host for the show. I wasn't casting this time, which was very, very different. Um, and I crushed it, believe it or not. I mean, for me anyway, and apparently Reddit thought so as well. And I just sat there and I just thought, oh my God, I did something good in my life. People liked it because I sat there paranoid on the panel thinking, okay, people are going to give me shit. Um, I'm just the girl. I was hired for diversity hire because that was a really common, like, comment from the community whenever a woman got got put on the panel. It was like, oh, just a diversity hire. They don't know anything. Um, but I did my best. I did the research. I spoke to the, the talent. And they liked me as well at the end of the day, which was very nice as, as well because I thought, you know, just there's nobody from Southeast Asia being able to cast with all these talent. I just, I was, this was a moment I was starstruck, you know, being able to work with my idols at, at that point. Oh, it was, it was really good. I never wanted it to end, but it did end. Um, and it was a really big event for me. I think my biggest casting gig was uh, the, the KL Major. I think I was casting that with On The Go. I remember doing I that as well. I think you were with EGG, right? You were yeah. Just- the EGG still, yeah. Yep. Yeah, still with EGG at that point. Um. So that was my biggest casting job with um with on the go casting for the KL major, which I never thought would ever happen. Um. But it was good because it was through this that I made all these connections. And Valve reached out to me through BTS, and I ended up being an official caster for the TI qualifiers back then. So I think I did two or three years of casting the the qualifiers. It was great. Uh. But then. I'm not sure what it was. Um, I think I was getting fatigued from casting because casting is a very demanding job. It's like you're spending anywhere from four hours, which is probably the shortest for a best of three, um, to like 12 hour sessions. And it was really brutal. And I think I also was just sort of getting bored because all I knew was Dota. I didn't know any other esports back then. Like I didn't follow Call of not Call of Duty, CSGO. <laughs> I didn't follow CSGO. I, and as a Dota person, I didn't follow League of Legends because you know how that works. Like you play Dota, you're not allowed to play League of Legends. You know, you have to hate them. And if you don't hate them, then you're the odd one out. You know, the, you're the black sheep. You're, you're not a true Dota fan. So Dota was all I knew. With that, because I'm a League of Legends and uh, Joseph is a Dota. So we complement each other in the absence of one another at this time. But I can understand the rivalry nonetheless. I'm just... Just so you know, I don't hate League of Legends anymore, okay? My hate has moved on to a different game, but I'm not going to name that game just for, for my safety and to make me make me still hireable for other events or good. Um, but there is a game out there I do hate. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, this was... You wanna, you this was you want to call them up? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, if you want to do it after the podcast, I'm totally fine with that. But, um, yeah, yeah not, not now. Fair enough, fair enough. Oh, before, before we even move on to, to what you're doing now... Um, I think there are so many um, so many things to to dive into what you just shared honestly is a great insight of um, um, what you have done so far to get you to where you are um just 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 a couple of things here is um, just wondering that are you based in Malaysia or are you based elsewhere uh, so I'm living in Malaysia right now um, mm. i've I've been here for the whole of covid nineteen as well so i haven't I haven't moved. <laughs> 
Right, and and your studies, you mentioned that you were you were in university, was that in Malaysia as well? Uh, no, so when I was studying, I was still in Australia. This was before okay. EGD Network, yeah. So I was studying at Murdoch University. Um, I was studying games, art and design. So I was learning the more artistic side of gaming. So it was 3D animation um, and also concept art. I think it was just called art back then. Right. Okay. I, I, I suppose um, it's similar to, to, to what you're doing now, I suppose. Um, it I might mean, be applicable, I guess. Not really like oh, oh. it was it was more technical if you think about it right mm. it's more behind the scenes you don't really need to to speak to a crowd of people mm. so it was like such a mm. big jump from doing something where you could just be like a recluse you could be a hermit in your bedroom just making your own game to someone that has to cast and, and host in front of a crowd of online people but also people at lens which are two like completely different animals so yeah I just I didn't think it would ever happen. It was just a hobby. I was doing it for fun. And then some people liked it. So I was like, mm, let's just keep going. <laughs> you, you, you talk a lot about casting and, and this is just kind of a, a question that I'm just throwing out to you. Um, what are some of the casters that have inspired you, uh, you know, or at least crafted the way that you, uh, or at least kind of, yeah, in the way, inspired you in the way you, uh, in, in the way you cast uh, today? This is a very interesting question because it also sort of inspired the way that I like to cast. Um, so I like to, to consider the way that I cast sort of like patchwork casting where I take elements that I like from other casters and try and apply it myself because like someone's going to like that. You just take the best of somebody else and, and try and make something good out of it. Um, but the best influence I think to my casting is surprisingly enough Sindarin um, mainly because I love the way that he explains the build the thought process and he does it in a way where you're never going to be able to offend the player because you're always trying to justify why they made those choices whereas like one of the biggest mistakes I feel that that people do when they're coming into casting is um, you accidentally step into the player's shoes and you criticize them in a way where it's like you you know better than them but it's also because that the accident happens because we get the bird's eye view we get all this information the players don't and so how Cinderin does it it's like even if someone does the most stupid build the most out there build he'll justify it in a way where it's like oh they probably did it because of this this and this and this and and it just gives you a completely different perspective to the game instead of like giving the car the, the players um shit for something different you try and think of a way where it's like you're still explaining it and people are still learning from it which is what i always liked from dota like you're always learning something you can still be entertained but if you can do both that's it's so good uh, sticking on the trend of casters thank you so much for that it's, uh, it's great to hear you know that there's, there's so much for us to learn from on the different styles of casting. Um, staying on the topic of casters, um, from my knowledge of League of Legends, there aren't many female casters. So I know of Froskaren, uh, I know of Trouble Inc. Uh, they're very prominent and I, I do really enjoy the ways they do cast their games as color casters. Um, what is your take on uh, female color casters or female casters in general and how uh, I would say that they have been being kind of a storm. And this ties in very uh, much with what you mentioned earlier about, you know, people take it as a representation, just kind of diversity representation. Um, what's your take on it? Like today, in this day and age where people like Froskaren and yourself uh, talking about uh, Pokemon Unite games and things like that, how you guys have played not only just not only just for diversity, but have become a much bigger role in identity itself. Uh, yeah. 
I, okay, this one's a pretty interesting topic. I mean, whenever I look into casting, I really couldn't care if you're a man or a woman. At the end of the day, I just want to hear good casting. I want to be able to enjoy the game that I'm watching. I just don't understand people that want to segregate men and women talent. Um, I mean, there are some people out there, maybe they prefer one to the other, which I can also understand. Um, I think one of the biggest complaints I always hear about women when it comes to casting, and this is very evident with play-by-play, is that um, like our voices, I'm going to be very honest here, okay, when we get excited, we, we start getting, you know, we, we get up there, we get high-pitched, we get a little bit squealy, and it's very hard to control, especially when you're not used to casting. Whereas like with men, it's... It's not gruff, but it's it's manageable, and you can hear I you can tolerate that gruffness more than the squealing. I think a really good example of sort of explaining the difference between the two is that when I hear a woman that's that's new to casting and doesn't really know how to control her voice yet, um, it's tiring to listen to. If do you know what I mean? It's it's kind of like it's tiring because you're constantly listening to this constant shift in volume from high to low to high to low whereas I don't notice that as much in male casters because generally speaking you guys have like not not softer voices but more deep tone voices and I can tolerate that much more but on the other end of the spectrum I could also say that maybe it's because I'm so used to listening to male casters that I've just gotten used to it so maybe the same thing's going to happen to female casters where like, if it becomes normal that everyone keeps hearing about it, maybe it's not going to be an issue anymore. Like, it's really hard to pinpoint um, the issue. Like, is it actually a problem or is it just people making up problems because they want to or they don't want a certain demographic of people to get involved in esports? Yeah, I, I think that is a very good kind of question to put to the community as a whole. Um, we've, we've, we've kind of, we've touched very briefly on women in esports and as well as, you know, how in the past certain teams, as I think you mentioned very much earlier about how a, a caster kind of didn't give that much respect or was making fun of a team of of, of team of players uh, and how women in esports have not uh, been given the due respect, I would say. Uh, mm. and, and, and in that case as well, that has kind of trickled down in not only just as gamers, but as well as towards the wider community um, as well. Would you, would you, would you agree with that? probably the best way to put it really um I mean in regards to female talent as well I think ultimately it's also hard to find female talent because there's just more men that play games you know <laughs> there's not as many women to sort of pick from the pool so I'm not surprised that there aren't that many female talent because a lot of them are just either not known because they don't want to get involved or there's just a really small pool to pick from I think at the end of the day, like as gaming becomes more and more acceptable and more women realize that, oh, gaming is not just for guys, there are going to be more women that play and more women that want to be involved in the esport. I encourage people to do it, but there are just so many of them that tell me, oh, I'm really afraid of the backlash. And that's a very real thing. I've had experiences where I've spoken to, to other women in the scene and they just quit because of the onslaught of unnecessary comments, the hate, the, like, the hate is is insane. I, I luckily I've never had this issue where people are coming into my DMs or private messaging me like kill myself or like why are you here, you're trash and whatnot. But I've seen so many women, other women, go through this, and you just have to think like 
doesn't esports have to be so unwelcoming like people just say oh buck up we have thick skin but do we need to have thick skin couldn't we just be decent human beings and just sort of accept like okay if someone's not good like whatever that's you can maybe tell them oh I'm sorry I'm not real I'm not a big fan um but you can give them comments to say I'm not a big fan but I do like this that you do so that you push that talent towards something that maybe suits them more but at the end of the day you're just a fan you you don't really know what their end goals are going to be um but it's just yeah people in esports you're not like the online anonymity the fact that you can just be anonymous online it makes it so much easier for people to just throw daggers at you and then hide in the bush and you can't even tell who they are traditional keyboard warrior assassins keyboard assassins i call them that's Yeah, warriors are different. Like warriors, they show themselves, but assassins—they're the ones that really nail down the mean comments. And then once they've once they've done the deed, they're gone. You can't find them ever again. <sighs> yeah, I think we just probably just gotta ignore this uh, self-proclaimed gatekeepers of esports because uh, uh, there's just gonna be trolls everywhere, I suppose, especially in the internet community right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, having said that. Um, I did enjoy your, your commentary of my team, and that's why I, that's how I remember you and all. So, so you did, Thank you you. did absolutely great. And also recently, uh, I'm sure you you're probably aware of like um, after the TI, there was some I think Sumichu or some other ladies who were given Moxie. Uh, Moxie, yeah. Moxie, were... yeah. Moxie wrote the tweet longer, but it was right, Sumichu right. and Frankie. I think that got a lot of flack after TI. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so I mean, it's got just gonna be hate on this unnecessary hate. But I mean, to be to be to be frank, um, I felt that all of them they just really crushed it during the uh, TI, and I totally enjoyed it as well. Um, but let's move on from um your casting um career to what you're doing now. Um, so I noticed that you are um content partnership uh yeah content partnerships manager in one esports yeah mm-hmm. um. So I know one I know the group one, they are um into esports for a long time, but I think their main business has always been a, the martial arts, right? And yes. those, and that media. And that's that's the other division that they have. Um just 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 our curiosity and whether or not you can share on like the reasons or rationale of like the, the this this group entering the esports space. To be completely honest, I don't think I'd be able to really answer like why they got into the esports space. But all I know is that everyone that is part of the team and including the um, including our main like CEO, we're really we're all just really into esports. So I guess they just thought, you know, let's just get into it. Let's do it. Um, but I think the philosophies between the two are the same. You know, it's like they, they want to bring attention to all of our heroes, you know, like these guys are mastered their crafts so in the case of esports like all these players they spent years playing these games to be the very very best and and what we like to do is we like to uplift them to to prove to all these fans it's like they're not just playing games they have they are the pinnacle of whatever game they're doing so for dota they've spent years playing dota to play at ti and they either won it or they haven't it doesn't matter but we can still pinpoint like hey there this this guy is like the best on magnus this guy is the best on invoker we, we love to sort of highlight why these players are so so good so that people have idols to look up to within the gaming space it's not just you know it's not just the big guns it's also the other guns surrounding the big guns 
Right, and and you and just out just out of curiosity, because I checked out your website, your One Esports. Um, it does appear like it's sort of a um a news news portal, as well as I know that you guys also organize tournaments. So is that um, uh, any specific sort of um, um work that you're doing in the esports space, or everything, or you guys just do everything right now? <laughs> Uh, I think we're doing everything. Uh, so, well, I think we're mainly doing sort of journalistic stuff originally. Um, again, sorry about the background. Uh, but we have really started to kickstart our tournament events, I suppose. Um, but I think that was literally something that One Esports wanted to do because what, the first time I met them or the first time I saw One Esports, it was a One Esports tournament. It was right before the COVID lockdowns happened. Um, so I think they've always wanted to sort of really get into the tournament space. Um, I, th I think it's just what, what one is really good at, right? Like <laughs> all these martial arts events, so it just makes the it just makes sense that they wanted to jump into the the esports space as well. I don't really see much of a difference between the two. Yeah, honestly, I think that's the that's one esports expertise, right? Uh, in in hosting tournaments, I see the UFC or is it UFC or, or the martial arts uh, that. Uh, um, sort of fights that they organize they are all well produced and you know their media play is super strong right there um in uh, just shifting to or rather just dive a bit on like what you do and one esports so content partnerships manager do you mean that um, you work with uh, external parties to create sort of uh, content for one esports or collaborative efforts is that what you'll do uh, okay, so we have our own sort of in-house um, production production teams, right? We've got our editorial team and we also have a video production team. Um, so my job is to, um, I help maintain our relationships with all of our partners. So we actually have a small pool of teams that um, we are currently working with. Uh, and basically we get access, I suppose, to the players, the management, the, the coaches, to be able to sort of dig deeper within those esports teams. So in, in the case of our video team, you want to do a spotlight video, then we're able to sort of um, ask them and be like, hey, we'd like to do this on this player. We want to talk about why this player is so good. Or um, one of our newer segments is their hobbies outside of esports so that the fans get to know more about these players that they've been idolizing. Um, and the same thing goes with editorial. So it's whether editorial or video, they want to do a specific feature or a video, or if they even want to do a series, um, then we'll be able to get access to these teams because teams that we don't have direct line of contact with, it's very hard to be able to schedule these interviews. Um, a lot of the time, it's just because they we don't have a relationship and I think in esports, it's very important to be able to build a relationship with teams so that they know and trust that if they give you their information, their details, um, anything that they want to tell us, we won't misconstrue it in a way just to get clicks. Like that happens so often in esports where people will take a headline or they'll take a story and they'll just completely twist it to be something totally wrong just to get those clicks. Whereas for us, like, we want to be upfront, we're honest with our partners and all these interviews and teams that we communicate with to say that, hey, this is what we want to do. We want to be transparent. We want to uplift and speak and tell these stories about your, your players, your management, whoever we want to interview. And then they give us um, access to, oh, excuse me, my throat. They give us access to the, the players. 
so we can make this really good stuff and it's really exciting because over the years like our team is growing and so with that we're starting to be a little bit more ambitious with some of these projects so it's not just like normal article interviews anymore but we're starting to do video series and then of course like in the future we do want to sort of go into the more ambitious video series where it's like a it's it's like a, a real series that follows a team but it's something yeah, that we're thinking about in the future a documentary like sort of yeah yeah I think a good example of the the kind of stuff that we are looking to do in the future was um we did a, a documentary on the Singapore major which was hosted by by one esports right um like that's the kind of stuff I think we definitely want to look to do into the future where we can run those like really in-depth documentaries and sort of look into the 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 intricacies of esports and not just see like what all the fans see we everyone loves to go behind the curtains yeah, that was high production. I watched that. I watched that series actually, that that, that documentary. Oh, in fact, uh, as as you mentioned that, I just can't help but uh, think about uh, our own esports team that we have, the division that we have. Um, we're called Sam Nine. Not sure whether you've heard. Um, oh, of course I've heard Sam Nine. Come on. Oh really? Oh, <laughs> yes. I see them all the time on my Facebook feed. Don't worry. Oh, really? <laughs> Right, right. So that is under our umbrella. The Sam Knight is under our umbrella. So, I mean, uh, just putting out there, you know, if you need uh, some content or some collab, you know, you just let me know, you know, I can connect uh, each other. Uh, oh, it should be easy. I'll let them know and see if they want to hook, if they want to get us hooked up. <laughs> that that is something that we've been talking about also with my, my boss about like creating a documentary series um following one of our team's journey honestly that was something that we were exploring at um i think just uh, one month ago yeah mm-hmm. so yeah could, let, let's see how but uh Regen, you got something uh yeah i uh just talking about this uh video series you know following teams following the organizers it really brings me back to where this is something very uh, a lot more uh, at least we see it more, especially in the European countries, for example, Fnatic, G2, they always have the series where they follow them for tournaments. Um, I was wondering whether, I mean, taking into context that we are here in Southeast Asia, um, how important uh, would you say that this this kind of uh, content, especially catered towards the Southeast Asian teams, the Southeast Asian tournaments and organizers, uh, how, how impactful would this be to kind of the esports scenes in Southeast Asia? I think it's going to be massively impactful. I mean, when I was just watching Dota 2 back in the day, um, let's, let's just assume 2016, this was probably like the the height of my addiction to Dota 2. Anything that had to do with, okay, I'm not a creepier, anything that had ice, ice, ice in it, I'd watch it, you know, because I wanted to know about the guy. I thought he was cool. He was a, he's, he's still an amazing player. And so I just wanted to to get to know more about him, not in a creepy way, but it's just like when you idolize someone, you want to know, like, you, you start to want to know some strange things, like what's their favorite drink? What's their favorite food? Yeah. And then, of course, like once they, once they spill the beans, like, I don't know what it is, but something in your brain switches on, you're just like, I like that too. <laughs> um, but I think it's just something that the fans are really going to enjoy because you get you get to be a little bit more intimate with the the players, not in a bad way, but in a way where you can understand them more and you can connect with them more. And I think this is something that it's it's great within esports because I see it all the time in sports where this is something that sports does that I wish esports would do, where the players and the teams, they are highly documented. They have a, a media team that follows them around. They'll show little highlights, clips. They'll share snippets from the players. 
and you really get to connect with the team and the players. Whereas in esports, it's you don't really get that for the majority of the teams because unfortunately most gamers and this is true for a lot of the pros they're very camera shy um they are very private they don't like sharing too much um and a lot of this comes down to the fact that a lot of them are just not pr trained they don't know how to behave in front of the camera they don't know how to present themselves and so they sort of miss out on the opportunity to gain more fans because there are players out there that are so good at the game but nobody knows about them and they don't give anyone a shred of material or any information to help them connect um a good example was i think i learned that there was a i think it's a boxer but he is a huge naruto fan i've never met this guy i'm not even a fan of boxing but then i just saw like a three minute video of him splurging about naruto and why he likes it and i was i sat there i was just like I like this guy and all of a sudden I'm a fan of this dude I've never heard of that that plays a sport that I don't even want that I didn't follow so like could you imagine how impactful that is to esports where you get more of these players out there's names known because people are able to latch onto something that they also like I think esports would be growing at such a fast rate if that was something that we had yeah that sounds amazing and we look forward to what what you you guys are going to bring into the table for us uh as esports fans here, you know, we always look towards what we what we have and, you know, hopefully to get that connection with our players, to get that connection with our local teams as well. And I think you guys are hitting right on the right right on the mark right there with, with what you guys are looking for. We're looking forward to what you guys have to offer, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So so I mean, that is uh, something that we're working on as well. I mean, even internally in Semni. So I think um, PR, you know, training, all this is something that we've uh, you know, try to work on with our players because uh, we can resonate, I suppose, um, what what you've mentioned that some of these players, you know, then they they are so expert in the games, but they just uh, don't have that, or rather, they are shy to show their personality. Uh, well, most of them. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a work in progress, I suppose. Um, I, I suppose that's about uh, that's that's about it. I don't want to take too much of your time, then. Yeah.